welcome to Simply Holy Living, the podcast designed to help average humans who are being made holy through small, simple acts of letting go of our way and living the Jesus way. My name is Tracy Miner, and though I will be your host, I am much less a guide and much more of a fellow human in pursuit of holiness. Welcome back to Simply Holy Living, that place where average humans are learning to be holy. And we are in the middle of a series called The Practices of Jesus. And our goal with this is just to imitate our rabbi by putting into practice those things that he practiced. And one of those things that he practiced was a weekly Sabbath. So we've been talking about this for the past few weeks, and we've talked about how God instituted this seventh day rest through creation and then he commanded it through the Ten Commandments. And his goal or thinking behind all of that was that it would be a constant reminder, a weekly reminder, that it is he who makes us holy. So this was his intent. Now, last time we talked about why would we not take him up on that offer. Like, why would we not uh, celebrate the Sabbath? Because it is counterintuitive. It is illogical. Because when you look at our society, who is so, you know, so much about needing, I need self-care, I need a mental health day, I just need, you know, things to stop. If I could just stop doing this or that, if I just had some time, if I, you know, you would think that we would be excited to be celebrating the Sabbath, but yet it is something that we resist. And I think one of those reasons is that when it comes in the form of the Sabbath, where if it came in the form of a mental health day or you know something that we were doing for ourselves, so to speak, I think we would do it. But because it comes in the form of the Bible or with that word, the Sabbath, it can often bring up images of um, restrictions rather than refreshment or rules to keep, you know, rather than getting refreshed, I guess. So, you know, we can look at it a certain way, almost in a pharisaical way. But I think this is when Jesus's words are so important when he said to the Pharisees, no, no, no. The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. This was God's way of helping us to have all of those things that we need, that time to just rejuvenate and refresh ourselves, to not have to work, to not have to think about our usual stuff, just a whole day to celebrate the goodness of God, (laughs) to enjoy the goodness of God, not to follow a bunch of rules, make sure I'm, I mean, I'm doing this and I'm not doing that. No, 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 to be able to bask in the glory of God, okay. So last time we started talking about what would keep us from doing that. And one of the conclusions that we came to, because I think one thing is that I think Satan just opposes it because he doesn't like us to do things (laughs) that God tells us to do, because he knows whatever God tells us to do is going to be good for us and it's going to help us and we're going to become spiritually stronger. And, you know, he doesn't want that. So I think he's always going to come to steal and kill and destroy, right? But one of the things that, one of the ways that he does that is that all of the things that, all the trappings of this world, you know, things that were meant to be gifts, our jobs, our homes, our children, even our recreational activities can become so overblown, so overdone 
and so focused on doing, 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 so focused on production somehow, that they, they actually rise in importance to actually rival God. They become idolatrous. <laughs> and I know that's a pretty strong word, but I think if we really think about it, you know, we do spend a lot of time um, taking care of our possessions. Now, practicing the simple life is something that Jesus did, and we're gonna talk about that later. But I had a huge lesson in this yesterday where I was trying to go through some boxes from our move. Yes, it's two years later almost. A year and a half later, we're still doing boxes. But it's trying to take care of these things in these boxes this lot of homeschool stuff that's really, um, really valuable, you know, and I didn't want to just take it to Goodwill. So I was trying to recycle it, give it, you know, uh, give it away to homeschoolers, you know, people that would really benefit from it. And so I posted, I posted a whole bunch of books on um, like, I don't know, Facebook groups, you know, marketplace. Oh my gosh. I got so overwhelmed. There's so many responses of people, but it took my entire day. I mean, my entire day, but I think it was a lesson from God. I think it was him just saying, see, do you see how much time all this takes just to take care of our possessions? So anyways, we are going to talk about simple living and maybe re reducing how much we own at a later time. But I think the way that it applies to the Sabbath is just that it makes it so difficult to press pause when those things have become so important to us that we can't even stop producing for 24 hours or we can't take a break from it. We can't put our phones in a lockbox for 24 hours because God forbid someone couldn't get a hold of us or we couldn't find something or we couldn't respond to this text or we couldn't whatever. Um, you can't check your email for 24 hours. You know, these things have become too important to us. And I left us last time with sort of those haunting words that I want to read again, just to remind us from, um, these were actually from Isaiah. We had read some beautiful things from Isaiah 55, but this was sort of the warning part. It's, he says, whom have you so dreaded and feared that you have not been true to me and have neither remembered me nor taken this to heart? And this is, you know, a reminder that all of those things that we are so dedicated to, that they become so important to us, that it almost, it's, they become idol, idols for us, um, that there's a fear lurking beneath all of that. You know, the, these people worshiped other things out of fear sometimes. You know, why do they worship the goddess of fertility, let's say? Well, because they're afraid they weren't going to be able to have sons and daughters. Why did they worship the God of the sun? Well, they, they were afraid that they wouldn't be able to produce their grain and, and make money without worshiping and sacrificing to these gods. And, but it's the same for us. We're just afraid of different things. We're afraid of what maybe not producing as much as we, as we think we could, if we kept working, we we're afraid of what our, what our house will look like if we don't spend a whole day, you know, working on it, you know, we're afraid of things. And so I asked you last time to identify those fears so that we could turn them over to God and let God's perfect love drive them out. So I want to talk just a little bit more, just indulge me one more week 
talking about this because I think it's so important to deal with these fears and to just make the decision to trust God. It's just so hard to trust sometimes. We know in our heads that, you know, God is good. Okay, yes, that's a fact. I just, I know it, but I know it in my head, but it doesn't feel good. Um, and I'm afraid, you know, to let go of the things that I think are important and embrace the things that God thinks are important. So I wanted to read just a little bit more about this. And this is from the book of Ezekiel today. And Ezekiel is one of the prophets that was sent to warn the people because they had drifted away from God, sim um, similar to Isaiah. But it, we're going to be reading in Ezekiel 20, and I'm going to start right around verse 10. And he's talking about how he had, you know, he told the Israelites, you know, get rid of all these gods, follow me, I promise I'm going to take care of you. But they wouldn't. And he was like, if you just follow these commands, then everything will go well with you. But they, you know, they were too scared to do it. So in verse 10 of chapter 20, it says, Therefore, I led them out of Egypt, and I brought them into the wilderness. I gave them my decrees and made known to them my laws, by which the person who obeys them will live. Also, I gave them my Sabbaths, and here it is again, as a sign between us, so they would know that I, the Lord, made them holy. Yet the people of Israel rebelled against me in the wilderness. They did not follow my decrees, but rejected my laws, by which the person who obeys them will live. And they utterly desecrated my Sabbaths. So I said I would pour out my wrath on them and destroy them in the wilderness. But for the sake of my name, I did what would keep it from being profaned in the eyes of the nations in whose sight I had brought them out. Also, with uplifted hand, I swore to them in the wilderness that I would not bring them into the land I had given them, a land flowing with milk and honey, the most beautiful of all lands, because they rejected my laws and did not follow my decrees and desecrate my Sabbaths. For their hearts were devoted to their idols. Yet I looked on them with pity and I did not destroy them or put an end to them in the wilderness. I said to their children in the wilderness, do not follow the statutes of your parents or keep their laws or defile yourself with their idols. I am the Lord your God. Follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. Keep my Sabbaths holy, that they may be a sign between us, that you will know that I am the Lord your God. But the children rebelled against me. They did not follow my decrees. They were not careful to keep my laws, the uh, of which I said the person who obeys them will live by them, and they desecrated my Sabbaths. And then I'm going to skip down and just finish it here uh, in verse 24. He says, um, because they had not obeyed my laws, but had rejected my decrees and desecrated my Sabbaths and their eyes lusted after their parents' idols. You know, these are very, very sad words, but I think they're so instructive for us because 
you know, we can see the heart of God here. Where he's like begging them, please, 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 please. I promise you, it will go well with you. I, it will go well with you if you just obey me. If you'll just keep these Sabbaths. But they just couldn't get past their fear. And even in that, he showed mercy to them. So then he tries to go after their children. But, you know, the truth is that we cannot pass down to our children that which we do not hold for ourselves. I think sometimes we can have this mentality that, you know, well, I've got to do this now. Like, I got to work now so that my children can have this. I got to do this so that my children can have that. And that what sadly ends up happening is that more is caught than taught. So even if we're saying the right things, if we're living a different way, they actually catch the way that we're living and they imitate those ways. And so if we are not able to set time aside for the Sabbath and just really, you know, honor God with it, we really can't expect that our children will enjoy it. The only way that they'll learn to do it is if they taste and see that it is good. So this is just a reminder to us that we are going to pass down our ways. And I know that can seem like the bad news, but I really want to end with some good news. <laughs> so um, I just want to emphasize how important it is for us to identify those fears little by little, those things that are keeping us from putting into practice this day of rest every single week where God wants to connect with us. So having said that, I want to go back to Isaiah and I want to read this beautiful passage about keeping the Sabbath. And it is in Isaiah 58 and it starts in verse 12, no, 13. It says, if you keep your feet from breaking the Sabbath and from doing as you please on my holy day, and if you call the Sabbath a delight, and the Lord's holy day honorable. And if you honor it by not going your own way and not doing as you please or speaking idle words, then you will find your joy in the Lord. And I will cause you to ride in triumph on the heights of the land and to feast on the inheritance of your father, Jacob. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Okay, this is such a beautiful passage, and I want us just to let our minds rest on a few of these words. You know, it says, if you keep your feet from breaking the Sabbath, just thinking about stopping yourself. That's really what it is, not rushing in, just saying, no, I'm going to stop. I'm going to trust, and I'm going to stop myself from doing these things. And it is an act of will every single week. So I've been doing this for so many years now. And every single week, it feels like I really do have to force myself because I have such a, um, such a propensity or an urge to finish things, to do more, to accomplish more, to let the tasks be my goal. And so I do have to force myself. I do have to stop my feet from rushing in, you know, from breaking the Sabbath and from doing as I please, doing at what I think I need to be doing that day. So it is 
an act of your will. It's not going to become something that like every single time is just easy for me. Now there are times where I just can't wait because I've learned, my body has learned, my soul has learned that I can just rest on that day. And so it, there is a part of me that is just looking forward to it all week. And you do get to this place where Sabbath keeping is not just about that one day. It actually becomes, it changes how you live every single day. And the Jewish, you know, literature just does speak about this. It talks about how the Sabbath permeates the rest of the week because the days following the Sabbath, the first, the second, and the third day, you are still basking in the remembrance of the sweetness of the Sabbath. It even talks about how when you end the Sabbath, there's a special ceremony that you do where you um, you drink the cup, you take one more drink, and you have this little box that you pass around and everybody takes a, you know, takes a whiff of it. It has all these sweet spices in it so that you're breathing in the sweetness of what you just experienced to, to remind you. You know how those senses, um, you know how when you smell something, there is a tree in my neighborhood um, where I used to walk and it was, I don't know what the name of the tree is. I don't know the, the proper name for it, but it was the same tree that we had in my front yard growing up in Oklahoma. So I called it my Oklahoma tree. And every time I would walk under that tree, I'd be like, oh my gosh, I would smell it. I'd be like, smells like Oklahoma, smells like my childhood, right? And so it would bring back sort of these sweet memories of my childhood. Well, that's how this works is we smell this spice box and it's, you know, it reminds us of how, how sweet that day of rest was. So there's, you know, it's supposed to, for those first three days, you're just sort of basking in the memories of the Sabbath. And in those next three days, you're preparing for the Sabbath that's coming. It's kind of like that, if I can just get there, you know, the world calls it the hump day, you know, and that it's really that fourth day of the week. We're like, oh my gosh, if I can just get to the weekend, right? If I could just get over the hump, then those last three days are spent preparing for the Sabbath and getting ready with excitement to celebrate just this day off, if I can just get there, right? So I have sort of gotten to that point where my body is trained to it. And on that last day, um, the Sabbath day, I will often sleep in, which I'm not a person that sleeps in. I'm a person that gets up naturally early every single day, but for some reason on that day, I will sleep in. So there are things that change and that if you call the Sabbath a delight, if it's something that you're really looking forward to and it's something that really brings fun, if you can call it a delight, if we're in touch with the delight of it, and if we can think about this word about um, feasting, right? It says that you will feast on the inheritance of your father and you will find the joy. You know, all of us are searching for this, this joy. And that's what the Sabbath will bring. You know, when you start that day with a feast and basically, you know, you just, I love how John Mark Comer talks about it. He goes, we just fix the best food ever. And he talks about fixing this, you know, the, have you ever had a skillet cookie where you put, you know, you put the cookie batter inside a, you know, big cast iron skillet and you bake it up and then you put about, you know, a quart of ice cream on top and everybody just feasts on it. And actually something sweet, you know, I've talked about how that's 
um, a day that I will always try to make some kind of special desserts because I want it to be set apart. I want it to be special. So I want you to start thinking about, you know, how can I make this day so special? And how can we feast? And without it becoming a burden, um, just set out for yourself a plan. How can I make this a feast? I, I try to make that a day where I don't fix things that everybody doesn't like. I've talked about that. So on Friday night, um, how can I make it a special meal? How can we sit down to a special meal? How can we light a candle? How can we um, experience shalom? And I wanna talk about this in closing today. Shalom is more than peace. So something that a greeting, one of the greetings that the Jewish people have is Shabbat Shalom, meaning may you, may you feel the shalom of the Sabbath. May you experience this. And words that, that come to mind that represent shalom is complete, wholeness. It's when you're able to experience what life is supposed to be, what God's original intent was. When he created us, when he created the garden with all of its perfection, where everything worked together as it's supposed to, where um, there wasn't sin, there wasn't selfishness, there wasn't pride, there wasn't self-sufficiency, there wasn't greed and all of these things that are ruining our world. Really, when you trace everything back, it's the arrogance of man, the pride of man, the greed of man, corruption in government, corruption in, in each of us that sort of eats away at that perfect, beautiful um, intent of God. And the Sabbath is a weekly attempt to experience life as it should be. Not where we're trying to make it something different. You can take a break from trying to change the world on that one day. <laughs> just take a break from it. I, I think it is the best way just to go, you know what, the world will keep turning without my effort. God is good and he's enough. He's sufficient. He's enough. I'm going to experience that he is enough. He doesn't need my help for this one day, you know, I can just bask in what he has done. And you have to make a conscious effort to do that, where you consciously look for um, how the world is working. What is the beauty of the world on this day? It's a day to go to museums. It's a day to, to look at the beauty of, of a Picasso or a Monet, or it's, it's a day to listen to incredible music. You know, what, what has man done to work in cooperation with God, to bring out the beauty in this earth? You know, that's why it's a day to walk on the beach and just be in wonder or to go to the mountains and experience, you know, the majesty. It's a day to sit in the park and enjoy the cool breeze. It's a day to eat ice cream. You know, it's a day to eat the best of foods. It's a day to celebrate, to be with friends, to have a long lingering dinner with friends, to talk about uh, all the beautiful things in life. You know, um, one of the practices of the Jewish people is that this, this, feast, this Sabbath feast, would be, it would be long and drawn out. 
and there would be songs that they would sing that they all know in between each, you know, course or whatever. They would take the time to sing the songs of the Sabbath. And so how can you imitate that? How can you, just as a person, if your family's not into it, quit trying to make them into it. You know, just decide this is going to be something for me. And maybe you can't do a full 24 hours. Maybe you can just dedicate Saturday morning to it. Um, maybe you can only, you know, do the dinner portion on Friday night and sleep in on, Sunday, on Saturday. Amen. Whatever it is that you can do, start to put that into practice. Don't wait to get your whole plan organized and how you're going to do it and every single thing. Just do one thing this weekend. That's it. One thing. Next time, we're going to talk about specifically how you can prepare those last three days of the week, how you can prepare for the Sabbath, and I'll give you some practical things that you can do. But I think it's time now to just start putting something into practice, whether it's perfect or not, and say it's enough. You will grow. It will grow. <laughs> okay, so even if you're only starting with one little two-hour period, um, perhaps over the weeks it will grow to four hours. Perhaps it will grow to six to eight. You know, it's kind of like when a baby is bored and, you know, they can only make it two hours in the night and you're dying to when they can actually sleep four hours. And by the time they sleep four hours, you're like, whoa, that felt awesome. But by the time you get six hours in a row, you feel like you could conquer the world the next day. You know, if it's eight hours, then you're like, I could run a marathon. You know, it just feels so great as they're able to, um, to sleep longer. So you're able to sleep longer and your body is basking in it. So perhaps it will grow like that. You know, um, the, it, I want to remind you of this scripture where Jesus is talking to Nicodemus and he says, you know, the flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. And I have found that any time I birth more spirit, any time I do something by following the spirit, it grows and it grows and it grows. So your assignment this weekend really is just to put into practice one simple thing that, is, that helps you to experience the sweetness of the Sabbath. And I hope that this will help you to grow closer to God and grow in your holiness. Until next time. In order for us to get this teaching of refreshment and restoration deep into our souls, I wanna give our mind and our soul and our body a chance to catch up with each other here. So let's take a few deep breaths, taking in a big inhale and an even longer exhale. Let's start with three deep breaths. Breathing in. And out. Another.
and one last breath. We're going to pick up the story where Elijah has just had his famous showdown with the the gods of Baal. And he has had a huge spiritual victory, reestablishing the one true God as the God of Israel. After this, he ran several miles. But along the way, a messenger was sent to him to tell him that the queen of Israel was vowing to murder him. So by the time Elijah arrived at Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there in Beersheba, and he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. He came to a broom bush, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. I have had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. Then he lay down under the bush and fell asleep. Elijah was exhausted in every way. He was exhausted spiritually. You know, even these good things that God prepared in advance for us to do, they can be exhausting. Helping people become Christians, studying the Bible with others, late night conversations with a struggling sister or brother, helping a a married couple work on their relationship, planning events for teens or families. You know, all of these things that are so good, such spiritual victories, they take a toll. And we can, we can grow tired, even exhausted at times. Elijah was exhausted and so are we. And then the emotional drain of the persecution. We may not have someone breathing out murderous threats, but we're surrounded all the time by drains to our our hearts. Friends that we have conflict with or situations with our kids, just helping them through their own struggles hardships at work, being overlooked for promotions or not noticed in our accomplishments. You know, there's just drains that come emotionally from the work week. And not to mention the physical exhaustion. Just getting up early, probably staying up a little too late, maybe not eating perfectly, physical exhaustion by the time Friday gets there. 
In God's kindness, we see that he comes and he meets Elijah right where he is. After Elijah fell asleep, just really wishing to die, it says all at once, an angel touched him and said, get up and eat. He looked around and there by his head was some bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and he drank and he laid down again. The angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, get up and eat for the journey is too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank. You know, God knows that we're going to get tired. We're physical. We're, we're just human. He always will come and meet us at our point of need. Elijah was tired and hungry. He needed that physical refreshment. What is your point of need today? Tell God about it. Now I want you to picture the angel of the Lord reaching down and putting his hands on your shoulders or cupping your face in his hands and him saying, relax, sleep eat, be, rest. How does it make you feel that God understands your need for rest? Will you trust him? What do you need today? Do you need a nap or two? Do you need a walk in the park? Do you need us to sit on your porch with a good cup of coffee? Do you need time to read a novel? What do you need a break from? Heavenly Father, we are so grateful that this is who you are. Just, I stand amazed in your presence. That you're so tender and gentle. 
thank you so much for wanting to take care of us. And I thank you that you're capable of taking care of us. God, I pray that we would commit ourselves to you in just letting you take our pain, take our weariness, to take away all of those stresses from the week. Father, I pray that you would help us as we enter into this Sabbath to be able to rest in you and find our strength again. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks so much for joining me today. If you found this podcast helpful, please share it with a friend, choose some stars, and write what helped you as a review. And remember this, my friends. In Hebrews 10, it says that it is through Jesus that God has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. It's a process, so be patient with the process and focus up, holy peeps, until next time.